The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this hour of today's Homeowner Radio. I am Danny Lipford, along with my co-host, Joe Truini, and we do have a lot of information lined up for you this hour. We've got a lot of different callers that are calling in and a lot of different uh, things that we're going to pick up on the hotline. One of the things we're going to talk about is pool noodles. I'll tell you, there Yay, are pool so noodles. <laughs> it's pool noodle day. There's so many different things that you could do with pool noodles. There's many, many simple solutions that my co-host Joe Truini has produced over the years, but we're going to share um, of a few of those uh, with you there. I heard, I heard some people, Danny, are actually using them in the swimming pools. Oh, did you, did really? you hear that? Yeah, Imagine yeah. That. Isn't that wow. amazing? Yet, yet another use for them. How do you like that? So. <laughs> <laughs> also, handrails are really are needed, but you have to build them right. We'll tell you a way to do it to make it very consistent and safe. Also, we have a few ceramic problems we're dealing with. Lots and lots of emails. And Joe, what about that simple solution? Do you have one more in you? One more. Just one more. I'll, I'll get more for next week, but one more. And this is, you know, at Simple Solutions, we're always finding ways to reuse rather than recycle plastic bottles because we just figured, you know, you recycle them, you don't really know where they end up. So this is on how to make a really effective watering can, for lack of a better word, for plants and, you know, whether potted plants or plants in a, in a flower bed or something like that. And not only do you water them efficiently, but even if it's sort of out of reach, and it's really easy to overwater plants if you don't use this technique. So that'll be coming up late, later in the hour. That sounds good and very timely on, on that kind of thing. You know, we are, are really proud of our whole Today's Homeowner community, how uh, we've been out there. We are, you know, television. This is 25 years that we've been on national television. Our radio show's been, been on the air nationally for about 14 or 15 years. Our website, over 25 years old. You know, so there's a lot going on there. But we really love the Today's Homeowner hotline and how so many people reach out to us. So we try to get to as many of those calls as we can. So we're going to grab a few of those right now. Hey, Danny. I'm interested in uh, direction for finding a contractor who can replace a front porch uh, posts and railings that are made of wood with uh, vinyl. Okay. All right. Well, you know, a common, more more and more common uh, request and trying to get rid of that uh, high-maintenance wood and put some low-maintenance composite material or vinyl material in. And I always recommend going to your local home builders association. It's a great source for just about anything that you need around your home. And people that are a member of the National Home Builders Association, you know, tend to be more serious about their business. They're, you know, they look for continuing education. They look for trends. And also they look for others within the organization to work with. Well, almost every chapter of the Home Builders Association has a remodelers council. And that's a list of remodelers that are in good standing in the community. And that's a great place to start. Get a few names from them spend the time for them to come out and take a look at it. You'll find one that will give you a good price and you're comfortable with, and you can move forward confidently with that um, handrail project. Let's get another call from the Today's Homeowner Hotline. Yeah, I recently had a three-quarter hardwood floor installed in my bedroom, 
the subfloor was screwed down and tar paper was put down. The contractor did not nail the flooring down enough, and the floor squeaks or creaks when you walk on it. Is there anything that can be done about that and stop the creaking? Sure hate that when it's a newer floor like that. And, uh, Joe, of course, the the quick solution, but not a permanent solution, of course, is to break out the baby powder and uh, spread (laughs) some baby powder on that floor, wipe it down real good to where it forces it down into the cracks, and it kind of cushions the floor a little bit and can minimize the squeaking, but not a long-term solution. What could you share with um, this caller that could maybe uh, prevent that, and especially if they have space, crawl space directly under the floor. You have to have space below. If you have access to the subfloor from below, then you can drive screws up and put wedges, you know, thin, thin shims in over the joist where there might be some space. Um, But I hate to hear this because, you know, you pay for a new floor to be put down. The cheapest thing are the nails. Why would you be short on the nails? Put as many nails, you're there nailing it down. You know, there's nothing you do now. It's tongue and groove. There's no way to put in more nails. You know, you certainly don't want to be driving face, you know, face nailing through the top of the floor. So uh, if you can get it from below, fine. If you can't, you know, a little baby powder will lubricate. What happens is these, what nails you do have, when you step on the floor, it's moving up and down. And it's probably moving up and down because you didn't put enough nails. But anyway, the wood's moving up and down and it's squeaking on the shaft of the nails. So, you know, the baby powder, you can work it down into the cracks. That might lubricate it a little bit, but of course, that's a short-term solution. There's really, you know, unfortunately, I don't know what else to tell you. If you, if you don't have access from below, there's really not much you can do at this point now that it's already yeah. nailed down. Now, if it's a isolated, if you can really isolate one or two or three of the uh, the squeaks, um, I have um, had success in driving in some of the real thin diameter screws. What are they called? Joe? Trim head. Trim head. And they're, they have a very, very small head on them. And what you can do is you can um, dr- uh, just drill those right through the face of the wood into the subfloor below and then just slightly recess it. And then you'll be surprised at how you can find um, putty that will match perfectly on your floor and you can kind of cover that head up. You wouldn't want to put in a hundred of these, but if you put in, you know, five to 10 scattered along here, maybe there's a rug here and there, but it can be done in a very discreet way. And that's another way to attack it from the top side. Let's go to another call from the Today's Homeowner Hotline. Hi. Yes. Uh, can you please recommend a good, easy to install DIY flooring? Uh, we have a pretty active use area in our house and we want to replace the carpet. We've watched a couple shows and I've seen that, that you've used some, some flooring and some laundry rooms in other areas and I can't really remember the name of it. Can you please... Uh Please help me out with that. Is that the sure, LVT? Be, yeah, I'd be glad yeah. to. Yes, yeah, definitely yeah. LVT or luxury vinyl tile has to be the most popular floor in the country over the last few years because, yeah. boy, it makes so much sense. I've installed it at um, my, my condo that I have, and uh, which gets a lot of abuse because of all of the sand getting tracked in. It's awesome. It works so well, and we've installed it in many laundry rooms, as the caller mentioned. And um, So, yeah, luxury vinyl tile, but... Uh, that's the category. But when you start looking, you'll see that there's a lot of difference in it because, Joe, I've installed some that uh, that you would glue down, and it was very thin. Yeah. I mean, maybe like an those, eighth of an inch. Yeah, those and, are the original and, ones, right? You glue right, down those the original planks, yeah. ones, and, and they work very, very good. I mean, you know, um, you follow the directions, but one of the cautions I would uh, throw out there is um, it won't cover up 
uh, flaws in the subfloor. That subfloor still needs to be pretty smooth as if you were putting regular vinyl down um, because it just won't cover it up very But Some of the other luxury vinyl tiles actually have a little bit of insulation or underlayment on the back side of it. And that's a little bit different. Some of those clip together, much right. like the floating laminate floors, but it's actually LVT. But I'll tell you, Joe, I'm, I'm having a hard time finding anything wrong with it. Of course, there's different levels. There's expensive. There's, you know, very, very inexpensive. Right. Middle of the road always seems to be the better quality. Yeah, he doesn't mention what the subfloor is, you know, if it's wood as opposed to concrete you know you have, with concrete you have somewhat limited option but either way i would exact i would do the same thing down i would recommend a floating floor so it doesn't matter if it's wood or concrete a floating floor is simply a floor that is not fastened to the subfloor in any manner no glue no nails no nothing um and so laminate you know a high quality laminate floor would be another option or the lvt sometimes they call it lvp luxury vinyl plank because it's not a square tile it's a plank kind of looks like wood um, but whichever you use just make sure it's a it's it's a good quality or higher quality and that it's um you know it's a floating floor that it, not getting glued down or anything else and follow the directions on all of those because every one of them is just a yep. little bit different and uh but it's amazing i'll tell you we've we've used it in just about any area of the house people call a lot of times about basements they're it's pretty darn good for basements and a lot of different areas and extremely durable and you know as they'll tell you in their marketing materials if you have a problem with one piece maybe the iron falls off the ironing board and you yeah, right. ruin one well you can pluck the one up put another one down which emphasizes the importance of holding on to all of those little spare pieces that you had left over once it's all installed. Hey, coming up here on today's Homeowner Radio, we're going to be talking about uh, pool noodles. We'll give you a little pool noodle clinic, and you might be surprised at how many ways around the home that you can use pool noodles besides being in the pool. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Pavestone, creating beautiful landscapes. Always so proud to be with you each and every week on the Today's Homeowner radio show that's heard across this great country on over 350 stations, including KBRBAM 1400 in Ainsworth, Nebraska. Special hello to everybody there right in the middle of the country. We appreciate you listening in, and if we can help you, you know what to do. Go to the, your computer, send us an email at todayshomeowner.com slash ask, or pick up the phone and call at 800-946-4420. Had a lot of calls this week. We're going to grab another one from the hotline right now. I'd like to know more about that pool noodle that you all advertised on your radio show one time. Uh, like know how it works. Okay. Well, <laughs> there's a lot of different things there, and it, yeah. it gives us a great opportunity to share with you a number of the pool noodle simple solutions. One of them that I've liked and I have used a lot is we, um, matter of fact, just um, out back, I have a little um, on my deck, I have an outdoor kitchen. Well, um, my wife has plants everywhere, and of course, she takes her little watering jug in order to get there. Well, it won't fit in the little bitty bar sink. So, right. you know, yep. she's having to go inside or 
previously she had to go inside and fill it up. She dribbles a little water here and there. This just <laughs> is, this isn't working until I took the pool noodle and we're talking about something that cost about a dollar fifty. You know, a lot of different right. sizes. Prices there. have gone up. They're a dollar. Yeah, they have now, gone right? up. But and 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 the more that you, the more we tell people about uses for pool noodles, the more valuable they'll be to the American That's right. family. Yeah. So they'll go up even more. But anyway, you hook that to the faucet, and then you use that basically as an extension hose to go into your bucket or your uh, watering can or your five-gallon bucket or whatever. you I've used it for all of that, and there's no drips and no problems whatsoever. That's a great way of using it. But, Joe, that's just one. Come up with a couple more here about how you can really use those inexpensive pool noodles around the house here. One of the first ones we did, I remember we shot videos for Simple Solutions for the TV show was um, one was in the garage, you attach it horizontally to the wall right where the car door opens. Because what happened is people were opening up the car door and hitting the wall and damaging the wall or chipping the paint on their door, the very edge of the door. So we attached one horizontally and it just acts as a little bumper. So when you open the door, you bang into the pool noodles. That was a pretty good one. And also we used them to carry stuff on top of your car. Sometimes if you don't have a truck and you need to bring something home, some lumber home from the Home Depot, you know, you want to strap it to the top of your car. We slid the rope through the pool noodle and then lashed it, the wood on top of the rope with the pool noodle. Cause this way, you know, you're protecting the top of the car, whether it's the, you know, the hood or the back of the car, wherever this lumber is being strapped down. So those are just two uses. And I use them around the house all the time. I use them if you don't have a lumbar support in, support in your car, you can cut one about 16 inches long. I have one in my car and I actually cut it about 16 inches long. And then if it's too big a pool noodle, you can slice it lengthwise and use it right behind your back. Yeah, it's kind of, there's, there's lots that we used them for. What else do we use them for? I think well, we, the, the one with the uh, pulling, raising up the edge of the mattress and putting one under so that uh, if you kids. don't have a, a baby crib or something for yeah. a visiting child taking a nap or whatever, or, or like uh, Chelsea's new baby, we can lift the edge of the mattress up and put um, a pool noodle there and it'll keep them from rolling off. So yeah, I mean, it's yeah, just you put endless. It, yeah, yeah right. you put it under the uh, fitted sheet. Right, right, and, right. And it right, acts right. as like a bumper. You put it right at the right, edge, yeah. of, edge uh-huh. of the bed. So if That's a child, right. small child rolls over, it'll hit the pool noodle. Yeah, so there's plenty of uses. And we'll be coming up with more as we continue to shoot these simple solutions. And if you want to have some fun, just go to todayshomeowner.com in our little internal search engine there and put in uses for pool noodles. And you might be surprised. You'll start looking at those pool noodles in a whole other way. So. That's right. <laughs> and, and, of course, my uh, grandson, Gus, loves to take two of them, and he sits on them. Like a little, right. like a little seahorse, and he just go. He pedals all around, all around the pool with those with those two noodles, and he's uh, he feels very secure with those because yeah, as it gets bigger, you have to keep adding pool noodles. I know, have to keep yeah. adding. <laughs> hey, let's go back to our emails, and again, remind you, you can send us one anytime at todayshomeowner.com slash ass. That's what Kimmy in Pennsylvania did. You had a lot of great uh, emails from Pennsylvania this yeah, week. Yeah, that's right. I have a tub surround that's about 15 years old and is discolored and dingy looking. Is there a way I can freshen it up? I hope to remove it, remove it at some time and then tile the area, but that's not in the cards right now. Joe, what about, uh, you know, so many times, um, 
you know, not that people don't clean properly or whatever. There are right. tubs around and everything. But, boy, that soap scum can really affect that. So a lot of times just us really aggressive cleaning can make a big difference. But what else on, on a, a, an acrylic tub like this can make it look a little bit better in your opinion? Yeah, I think if she doesn't want to have it refinished, then first clean it with some TSP or lime away, something like that. And just give it a really good cleaning. Try not to be too aggressive with it because you don't want to dull the finish. But then the only other option really is they have tub refinishing kits, DIY kits, or an epoxy paint specifically designed for tub and tile. If she was going to not remove this anytime in the near future, I'd highly recommend hiring a professional because it's a pretty tricky job using these Mm -hmm. refinishing kits. Mm -hmm. But if she's going to be removing it anyway, you know, maybe she'll, instead of spending the, whatever it is, the four or $500, if I, if it was me and she was thinking of removing it to tile it and put in a shower or whatever, I would just do that. Just invest yeah. the money in that. Just, just do, a, yeah. what are you waiting for? It's not going to get any less expensive to do it. So I'd say save up your money and just live with it the way it is now and replace it and get that tile in there. And it's a good value. You know, you won't get all your money yeah. back right away, but it's a good value when you want, uh, when and if you ever decide to sell your house. And you'll be glad that you got it taken care of. Let's grab another email from Jody. Now, this is one um, I'm not sure I have an answer to because, boy, I know it is a challenge. It, Jody says, I've got lots and lots of bamboo plants growing on my property, and it's spreading like crazy. I've tried chopping it down, but it grows right back. How can I get rid of the bamboo once and for all? Uh, Joe, I don't know if we've That's ever... That's a tough one, yeah. I don't know if we've ever had that question before. And, you know, I see, of course, bamboo's used a lot of times when you're trying to control ir- um um, you know, erosion, because erosion, it is yeah. it is so tough and it has such a root system. Um, any thoughts uh, Any thoughts for uh, Jody on this one? Yeah, that's a tough, there's no easy way to do it. And that's why you have to be very, very careful about planting bamboo. Some people say it grows like grass. Well, yeah, you know why? Because it is grass. It's not a tree. It's not a, it's grass is what it is, which is why it grows so quickly, um, which is why also they're using bamboo for for flooring and lots of other sources because it's, so easy to grow into mill into lumber or not lumber but looks like lumber so the first thing you can do is dig it out that's it's it's the toughest way to do it but dig out dig out all the what are called rhizomes and mm-hmm. grass has rhizomes including bamboo rhizomes if you dig down just very shallow just dig down like if it was grass dig down a half inch or so you'll find almost like a root system that's growing horizontally mm-hmm. and so if you mm-hmm. and just like with regular grass if you cut it the rhizomes produce more grass same thing with bamboo if you just cut it off at the ground even if a little below ground you're missing those rhizomes so you have to not only cut it down but you have to dig it all out and then you can try an herbicide um specifically designed for this you can use heat burning it you know with like a propane torch this is after you dig it out by the way Mm -hmm. um you can apply vinegar um you know but if you have a lot of it this is going to be tough and and the other thing you have to know about bamboo is you can spend you know whatever let's say a week digging it all out and treating all the rhizomes and then just wait because you might see most of them coming back up maybe not all of them and so you it's it's not a one time job because it is so you know it it grows anywhere and and so quickly that it's hard to get it all at once so you're going to have to go back two or three or four times 
and and that's the best you could do. But yeah, if you're planting bamboo anywhere, it's funny. I, we should get this because I went home. I was at Home Depot yesterday, and I saw a woman walk by me with a plant, and it was a bamboo plant. And I thought to myself, "Uh oh, hope she doesn't <laughs> hope she doesn't live anywhere near me." Did it have a warning label on it? That's what you need to have <laughs> yeah. a warning label. <laughs> well, and it's also like you um, like so many uh, persistent problems in the yard. You just have to declare war and That's just right. I'm, I'm going to win. And you just go, go take the first step and then be ready for the next one, the minute that you need to. And you'll end up winning if you can be persistent like that. Speaking of winning, a lot of times it can be a challenge if you have grout in your floor that just won't stay put. Why is that and what can you do? We're going to tackle that when we come back here on today's Homeowner Radio. Don't go anywhere. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Fluid Master. Find out more at shop.fluidmaster.com. Hey, I'm wondering if you're receiving the Today's Homeowner newsletter each week. The e-newsletter is sent straight to your inbox. It's completely free, and it is chock full of all kinds of information that you can use at your house. Pretty simple to get. All you have to do is go to todayshomeowner.com slash newsletter and sign up today. Right now, we're going to go uh, right back to the Today's Homeowner hotline and continue tackling as many questions as we can. We have crack grout in our kitchen, tile floor. The grout keeps cracking where they added an addition before we bought the property, but now the grout keeps cracking. I have tried to fill the crack with a filler that I have gotten wet and let it dry. It does look okay during the summer, but it will crack again after the winter. We live in Minnesota, so that may make a difference. Is there anything or any way I can fix this without cracking again? Oh, boy. You hear that oh frustration in yeah, that voice? Know, My I goodness. Know. Well, you know, um, I have built hundreds and hundreds of additions over the years. And one of the things uh, when we're building an addition um, and you have, you know, old floor, you know, particularly concrete where you have an old slab and you're pouring a new slab up against it, um, that joint there, that cold joint, as we call it, is a very critical aspect of keeping floors from cracking. Now, there's all kinds of compounds, all kinds of floor patch material that you can put on it. I'll tell you one trick that I did that absolutely worked great. Buy some extremely, just the cheapest vinyl floor you can find and cut about a 12-inch piece and glue it directly over where the old and the new concrete meet. It's almost uh, like a little expansion joint almost that you're just gluing it right on top of it. And then you take floor patch compound on the edges and just kind of smooth it out. It doesn't create a hump in the floor if you smooth it out the proper way. Very inexpensive, very quick, and I've never had one single floor ever crack from the cold joint, as we call, transferring up through. Now, I suspect that's what the caller has there, that that's ongoing. And, of course, unfortunately, they already have the top down. But if the tile is not cracked, then Joe, I think they could um, best bet there is to clear out whatever grout is still in that main area and then try to match that grout, which they should be able to, with a flexible grout caulk. 
and uh, there's over 200 colors out there, so you should be able to get it pretty close. And then you just fill in that grout joint with the caulk, which will remain a little flexible. So you have that thermal expansion between summertime and wintertime. It will move without cracking. I think that's probably going to be one of the only things that they can do in this uh, in this uh, um, particular situation. Any other thoughts on that, Joe? Yeah, well, whenever grout cracks, um, it's typically because there's a little bit of flex in the floor system below. And since this is a house in Minnesota, I'm guessing it probably has a traditional wood frame floor. It certainly has much more flex in it than a concrete mm-hmm. slab would. If there's enough flex in the floor, and it's it's minute, really, but if there's enough, not only will you get cracked grout joints, you'll get cracked tiles, and some tiles will even pop free. So, but there are various degrees of flexibility in a floor, right? Maybe this one's only flexing a little bit where it's not affecting the tile, but it is the grout. And if that's the case, then yeah, there's not much you can do. I mean, if there's access to below, you can below this room, maybe you can shore up that floor and try to take some of that bounce out of it because obviously tile and grout do not give, they don't have any flexibility to them. Um, but yeah, I mean, you hang out, if it's cracked already, then you're going to have to just get rid of the grout that's there and fill it with either a much better grout or a more flexible grout. And what I would do is probably get the area that's cracked the most and just, I wouldn't do the whole kitchen because what if you do the whole kitchen, it's still cracking. You might want to, you know, then you have to start from square one. So I think Danny, I would just fix the section that's most cracked where you have the most cracks and wait at least, I, I guess, wait at least a year or through a heating season. I'm not sure, you know, the heating season really has anything to do with it. She says it's a crack again in the mm-hmm. winter, but, um, you know, because these, these don't really flex much, whether they're hot or cold. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would replace some of it. And then if that works, then you can do the rest of the room. There you go. Let's go to some emails now. You're welcome to send us one. Todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Gary asks, um, what is the best way to clean an outside pressure treated wood deck before I seal it? Should I use a pressure washer or chemical cleaner? Well, um, I'm glad you're asking this, Gary, because there's Good millions question. of people yep. out there right now uh, contemplating the same things. And a lot of times people will automatically get a pressure washer and use a pressure washer. But here's what I found over the years. Yes, a pressure washer will get it clean. Yes, it's not hard to use. And, you know, you can rent them pretty inexpensively. People are finding buying pressure washers. You'll end up using it for just about everything. Um, But, you know, when you're cleaning that, yes, it washes it out, but to a degree, it will push debris down into the fibers of the wood. Then after the sun and, you know, and winds and so forth, um, will pull that debris back out so it won't stay clean forever. But one thing um, I've used a number of times, a lot of people don't seem to know about um, deck brightener. Deck brightener comes in a gallon or whatever you want to use on it and follow the directions. And basically, you, you, you just blow off your your deck or any wood surface. You're putting this deck brightener on it. And then after, you know, 15 or 20 minutes, you blast it off with a water hose. It does an excellent job of lifting that debris out of the pores of the wood and leaving the um, wood, let's say, hungry for something to be applied to it. That's where you let it dry, put the sealer on it, and you'll have a lot, um, a a situation where it'll stay cleaner for a lot longer. And um, I think companies could do a a lot better in in educating homeowners yeah, about right. that deck yeah. brightener because every time I've used it, I've had some great results on it. Yeah, and they do have they have the deck brighteners um, would certainly work, and they they do have 
special cleaners for decks. What you don't want to use is bleach. Most people reach for the chlorine bleach, and there, there's a lot of reasons you don't want to use chlorine bleach. The first is that um, there are natural lignins. They're called lignins in the cell structure of the wood, and the bleach breaks that down, and it affects the structural integrity of the wood. So you don't want to use that. And of course, it also corrodes nails and screws, and it'll damage neighboring plants, surrounding plants and the grass. So if you're going to, instead of using bleach, you can use either hydrogen peroxide or oxygen bleach, which we recommend all the time. But don't ever use chlorine bleaches, even though it looks like it'll work. It causes way too much damage. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, if you, it's like so many things you do around your house. If you'll, if you'll do that deck right and use the right sealer, and if you want to put a little color on it, then, you know, use a semi-transparent stain, um, you, you know, do it right, follow the directions, use that brush to force that, um, sealer down into the pores of the wood. And it'll last a lot longer than you think. Don't buy a cheap sealer, buy a good one. And you'll be glad you did because it'll make that deck look, um, a lot better for a lot longer. Hey, coming up, we're going to talk about uh, a carpentry project that's a little tricky to a lot of homeowners, and that's handrails and balusters. How do you put those balusters up, make them nice and uniform without taking a whole week to do it? We've got the answer when we come back here on today's Homeowner Radio. Don't go anywhere. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Wizard Screen Solutions. Find out more at wizardscreens.com. Well, Joe, you know, from time to time, uh, our social media folks provide us some updates. are always scouring around and seeing just what's happening. Uh, they right. sent one here. It's kind of interesting. It says, um, United States existing home prices fall nearly 1% in March, the biggest drop in over a decade. So wow. the the median price for an existing home fell by 1% from last March, dropping to $375,000 this year for an average cost of a home. And the drop is the largest since January of 2012 when home prices mm. fell 2% year over year. It's also the second month in a row that home prices fell. So um, home prices peaked at 25.2% in May of 2021. So the prices are starting to adjust a little bit That's and starting right. to, to ease down a little bit. That certainly should help quite a bit. And of course, uh, remodeling, the barometer for remodeling is just skyrocketing. They're, you know, they're expecting over $458 billion to be spent over this next year, remodeling and repairing owner-occupied homes. So the remodeling business is uh, still very strong. And, yeah. you know, it's always when houses, when new houses stumble a little bit, remodeling goes up. That just yeah. goes to show you people are always going to do something to their home and continue uh, working on that. Yeah, so. And we have been getting really good job reports from the government. Uh, they, I uh-huh. guess they release them quarterly and it's been several uh-huh. quarters where they keep adding more hundreds of thousands of, of jobs right. each quarter. So yeah. people are back working, which is good because yeah. for the pandemic really shut a lot of people. Oh, down. yeah. 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 Well, it takes a little while to get all of this back on track. Yeah. So, hey, let's get back to the today's homeowner hotline again. You can send us a, um, you know, give us a message or leave us a message anytime. Ask us any questions at 800-946-4420. Back to the hotline. Could you discuss how to easily space railing ballasts without all the complicated math calculations? 
<laughs> oh boy, <laughs> kind of got uh, excited there a little bit. So, well, you know, um, the thing about some, some people love math, some people don't, but there's all kinds of simple ways of doing the right thing with spacing on balusters, whether you're doing a deck, whether you're doing the handrails or whatever. And it's really just spacer blocks. We did this on a project. Matter of fact, the show that That's you will exactly see right. yep. this weekend um, on today's homeowner television show, uh, we do the very same thing. You know, the, the standard rule codes differ from here and there, but, you know, overall the well-used code for baluster separation is four inches. So, you know, right. four inches between not center, but between the inside space, four inches. And so you simply cut two four-inch blocks, and I usually write, you know, put a star on it or something so I don't, you know, throw it away accidentally. And, 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 and <laughs> You make and, it and sound then, like that may have happened one of the times. It has happened a time or two. So you get that first um, baluster or spindle um, nice right where you want it, and then you simply are using this high and low to space for the next one. And then every four or five of them, check with your level to make sure that it is still plumb. And then it increases the speed of it. It gives you something to nail or screw against, and it just seems to work very, very well. I've uh, like I say, we just use that um, on the show that's uh, airing yep. this week, and uh, you can move along on it more than anything. Is it's right, and it gets a, get a lot more right. accurate than if you try to measure everything. Yeah, and, and a lot of times it you'll see, um, and without again complicating things as far as the math goes, is they'll put them four inches on center, meaning that the space between the balusters, the open space, is not four inches, which is allowed by most codes, but it's four inches from the center of one baluster to the center of the other. And what that does, it reduces the, the space in between just a little bit, so you don't have to worry if it's off a little, you're going to be violating any code. And why four inches? That's the size of the head of a of an infant. And that's what mm -hmm. the concern with the infant popping its head through there, slipping and falling, and, you know, getting hurt or worse, um, which has happened, you know. So that, that's the reason they came up with that four-inch spacing. And believe me, they will, an inspector will shut down that job and make you fix it if that is not. And you see some old railings on decks, and I don't know if they're grandfathered in or what, but they're like 10, 12 inches apart. I mean, a kid could run right through it. Never mind, get stuck on it. So, um, yeah, just be really careful when you're when you're spacing those balusters. And another thing, when you know you think about your handrails, whether it's going up to your front porch or you know deck rails or whatever, um, take a look at them. You know, wiggle them a little bit. Think about yep. if you really were stumbling and you really needed that. Will it hold up? Look at any of the rusted areas. You know, look at any of the screws or nails that have backed out. Great time of the year to to do a little little work to secure all of those. You can use some uh, large deck screws. I mean, you can get deck screws up to six inches long and just yeah. carefully kind of tighten everything up around there. You'll be glad you did if you or one of your guests ever need to grab a hold of that. Joe, I know we've got the simple solution coming up. Give us a little tease what we might hear today. It's upcycling, oh, upcycling. plastic upcycling, which is unlike recycling. It basically means reusing instead of recycling a one gallon plastic water jar, which you can All use right. in your garden. All right, I can think of a lot of uses for that. Let's see what Joe comes up with when we come back here on today's Homeowner Radio. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Custom Building Products, the leader in flooring preparation products and tile and stone installation systems. 
You know, one of your favorite parts of the show, I'll bet, is hearing the simple solution. Well, you don't have to wait anymore. Here it comes. What do you have for us, Joe? All right, Danny. Here's how to upcycle, not recycle, a one-gallon plastic jug. And what you want to do is, is use it to convert it into a watering can for plants. And here, mm-hmm. here's how you do that. Drill three or four evenly spaced holes in the lid cap of the the jug itself maybe like just use an eighth inch diameter bits plenty plenty big enough right through the plastic cap and what you're creating is a sprinkler top now you can very easily and neatly water potted plants without fear of overwatering. like a lot of people will just use the gallon jug without the top on it well how are you get, ever going to control it without overwatering? <laughs> and when you overwater it not only is it not good for the plants you splash out soil it makes a big mess so this way you're creating this sprinkler top from those eighth inch diameter holes. And it comes in handy when the plants are slightly out of reach. You just squeeze the jug because it's just thin plastic and the water shoots out. And in the video I shot, I mean, I was shooting a stream of water. Actually, I guess it was three or four streams of water, you know, a good two feet. And again, it's pretty accurate. You can't overwater it. And so it gives you a great control and really easy way, whether the plant's out of reach, overhead, or along Let's say you had like a, a planter tray, it's three or four feet of plants. Mm-hmm. Just run right along, squeeze it. In fact, I have one in the greenhouse that I built and I was just out there yesterday. I was using it. Danny made fun of me last year because I was planting lettuce. I was planting seed tape. Remember that? Mm-hmm. I had never heard oh, of yeah. seed tape. A friend of mine gave me some. <laughs> it's a plastic, it's a paper strip that has the seeds already implanted in it. So you just mm-hmm. roll it out like like a roll of tape and just bury the whole thing. It works pretty good. I like that. So anyway, that's how you can use a plastic jug in your for your plants in your garden or on your back deck or wherever you have them. I'll tell you, you city boys do some strange things. <laughs> city boys. I have a city of 2,200 people. <laughs> no, that's another good simple solution. I always remind you, you can go to todayshomeowner.com slash simple solution and see a lot more. And, of course, I'll also remind you about what you can see on the Today's Homeowner television show. We're calling it a popping porch because, boy, did we make a difference on the front of this house with the homeowners working side by side with us. A, a lot of trim that we had to do on some columns to enhance those and then a little bit of paint to take care of that. Handrails, if you need some handrails, this is a great way of developing those handrails. You can check it out on the show and see exactly how to do it. We did a little work on some shutters. We replaced some corner boards and also applied an anti-skid coating called TrackSafe from our friends at Deitch Coatings right on the concrete steps where the homeowners have had a little bit of slip and fall issues there, but that is taken care of. But again, go to todayshomeowner.com, find out where you can see it in your neck of the woods. Well, Joe, I guess I need to go ahead and pack my my bandana and my um, flannel shirts and get ready for <laughs> the big um, Willie Nelson 90th birthday celebration with me and 17,000 of my friends. Of your um, closest friends, yes. yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's going to be an amazing we'll time at the Hollywood trip. Bowl, yeah. two days back to back, and um, the musical event of the year, it has been I proclaimed. Bet, yeah. So um, I'm two looking day, forward to that. A two-day musical event, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. So, And I guess Willie will be singing with these uh, special guests, and then they'll be singing alone, maybe with just singing, singing Willie's songs, and then yeah, I, I've tried to I've tried to see what their plan was, and it's kind yeah. of I guess a, a secret, and I, and of course this is, is this Saturday is the actual uh, birthday, his actual ninetieth birthday, so I can imagine the big cake coming out, and yeah, um, all of the different um, 
you know, um, people singing him happy birthday along with the 17,000 that'll be in the crowd at the Hollywood Maybe everybody Bowl. gets a piece of cake. That'd oh, be cool. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. I'd be a little nervous of Willie Nelson yeah, might, birthday long cake. As long as he's not handing out brownies, you might yeah, be okay. Yeah, I'm not sure if that would work or not. But anyway, I'll... I'll <laughs> I'll tell you all about it. we got to have a little fun from time to time, but we really appreciate you being with us each and every week here on Today's Homeowner. I appreciate my buddy Joe Truini as my co-host, our uh, engineer Jacob Scarborough, and also Corey Wilson, who helps us all out, and the whole Today's Homeowner family, hoping you have a fantastic weekend and a great week ahead. We'll see you soon here on Today's Homeowner Radio.